and trying to say to you, uh, almost since the plague set in, and even before the plague set in, <clears throat> the coronavirus plague, but with more emphasis since the plague set in, because this is how we got into this mess, not understanding this passage and other passages like it. So I want to invite you to stand out of respect for God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And turn in your Bibles to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Uh, this sermon series is similar to the Wednesday night or the Wednesday sermon series in that all we preach on is prayer from Genesis to Revelation. And we're not doing it in a certain order here. One time we, pre we preached through the book of Revelation. My oldest son, Daniel uh, White IV, helped me with that sermon series. Then one time we dealt with, oh, maybe 100 passages of the Holy Scriptures or more. Uh, my oldest son, Daniel White, the fourth of it, uh, is the one who started that one. And then my baby son, Daniel Ezekiel White, <coughs> finished it. And it's a blessing to see your, your children helping you in the ministry, as do all of my daughters as well. Uh, Daniqua uh, has been faithful for many years, and uh, Danielle, uh, and they both have a lot on them, and they help me in the ministry. Danielle, all of my children have... Uh, Danielle has been uh, extremely faithful for many years, and uh, Danae helps out. Danny and Anita, uh, they were the oldest, uh, they are the oldest rather, and along with my son Daniel the fourth, and they helped out a whole lot uh, when they were here. And I give God the glory, praise, and honor. And they still help out. Uh, allow me to see BCN and one. They still help out big time. Big time now, financially. And God is blessing them for that. I have several titles in mind. Uh, and this, this, this passage of scriptures where we need to be at. We need to be here. It's good for us to be here, as Peter said on the Mount of Transfiguration. The power of the blessed hope, that is, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to make Christians live, or to help Christians to live godly, holy, and righteous lives in this present age. The present world. While I was in the back, 
as is almost always the case, God puts other thoughts in my mind. And this passage, I'm telling you, is what I have been preaching to you for many years, but not from this passage. And it's so apropos and so necessary. Uh, let me put it this way right now. The grace of God and the second coming of Jesus Christ should produce holiness, godliness, and righteousness in the life of the Christian. Now that's not jazzy, Jeff. That's not snazzy. That's not sexy. But buddy, if you can get a hold of that, uh, you'll be selling on down the road real good with much tribulation. You may not want to hear it like that, but you need to hear it like that. And, 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 and basically, in light of the grace of God that you hopefully heard about during Holy Week a, few, a couple of weeks ago, and in light of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, how are you living? See, see you don't want to talk about that, do you? Huh? How are you living? In light of all that Jesus Christ did for us. He came, he suffered, he bled, he died on the cross for our sins. Was buried and rose on the third day. The sacrificial Passover lamb of God for everybody. Oh, we love to sing the Easter songs. We love to do... Uh, we love Easter, love the Resurrection Sunday, and if you're into the Holy Week, you love it, and I know we do, we love it around here, we love the great food, you know you have some great food when you can remember it, and you're still thanking the Lord for it, how many times you had some good food in front of you, and you thank the Lord two or three times before you ate? Uh, and you just, we love it, okay? And we should. But uh, uh, he's coming back. And the question is, how are you behaving yourself? Uh, don't bow your head yet. It's not time to pray. We're going to pray in a little bit. Huh? How, how, how are you doing in your Christian life? Huh? Are you living a holy, godly, obedient, righteous life before God Almighty? Because the grace of God, hear me well, because so many of our pastor friends and so many of our churches wanting to grow fast have skipped this. They have taught intentionally or not intentionally, that grace is all about failing and sinning and, and how that God is just uh, in his grace just kind of let you slide and all this kind of false teaching from hell. And there's no mention of the second coming at all to produce holiness. It's a novelty to most people in the church today. Many don't really believe it. He's coming uh, coming back. If he came the first time, 
And uh, after 2,000 years, the whole world recognizes Christmas and Easter. Uh, even Walmart closes down on Christmas Day. And then you can rest assured that Jesus Christ is coming again. You can bank on that. As sure as you're looking at me right now, Jesus Christ is coming again. Do you really believe that? Well, if you do, the grace of God and the second coming of Jesus should produce changed behavior, holiness, godliness, and righteousness in your life as a Christian. How about that? Oh, well, I didn't come for all of that tonight, you know. You know, uh, uh, I believe in the grace of God. If you mess up, you you just and you keep on messing up. You confess up and so forth and do I do as I please and do what I want. And God in his grace, he'll forgive me. And you don't need to be thinking like that. No, no. You need to understand that if you truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and he is on the inside of you, feel you're filled with his Holy Spirit, it will produce. There's nothing like, we're not talking about something you have to try to do. Uh, you have to uh, sweat to do. And go through uh, much pain to do. It is produced in you this desire for holiness, righteousness, and godliness. You are convicted by somebody on the inside of you and it's not you. And that somebody will chastise you and put you through things to help you to understand that he wants you to conform into his image. And uh, he does not quit like we do. And his chastisements and his rebukes are very painful. And worse than that, they last a long time. You will learn not to play with God. Uh, in the words of one of the um, black Christian actors out there in Hollywood, I believe his name is Brother Stallings, he said, I fear God. Now see, now, now we're getting somewhere when you start talking about I fear God, man. Something God has done something in your heart. In this day and time, for a young black man to say, I fear God. Let me tell you something. God has done something in his heart, in his life. He may have done something like T.D. Jakes did wrong in the past, and then out of that experience of being chastised by God, God, T.D. Jakes preached a series of messages one time, I bet you I'm going to do that again. Have you ever said that? See, that's what God will teach you living on the inside of you. He's not, he's not riding with you and you're living in sin. In the words of Dr. Tony Evans, he's, he's looking for the exits. Now, you have to be a theologian to understand what he's talking about on that right there, but I get it. <laughs> he doesn't play that. I, I, I don't know who you people are talking about. I don't know. You're living in sin and you call yourself a Christian and you're supposed to be happy-go-lucky and you're depressed, defeated, and disgusted. Huh? That's how most of you are living. Some of you right now, most Christians right now 
are depressed, sad, defeated because of the present situation. They have no joy. They have no peace. They have no real good cheer. When Jesus Christ said, I said good cheer. All Christians ought to have that. Because Jesus Christ said, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Not just cheer, but good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. You should not be that way. Well, you know, uh, uh, Pastor Ray, everything seems so dark and dim and tired because the television is uh, uh, depressing news and sad news and bad news and everything all around us is bad and electricity been going up. can't find food in the grocery store like we used to and uh, things are just getting bad. Rent is going up and, and one lady said, we got to feed our children. We can't pay this rent. We got to feed our children. There's a war, a man threatening to blow the whole world up with nuclear weapons. Pastor White, I don't know how you do it. I, 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 I just, I'm depressed, defeated, disgusted, and uh, mad and lonely. That's a lot. You may be seated, I'm already preaching. And lonely. One lady was, uh, it was reported in the news, she was wondering what she did wrong. She doesn't have any friends. She can't gain any friends. She's by herself. She's gone through over two years of the coronavirus plague with nobody. No friends, no family, nobody. She feels very depressed and dark and dim and sad and pitiful. But she claims to be a Christian. What's wrong? There's something wrong. Pardon me. And what's wrong is either you have never been truly saved, you do not know Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ does not know you, or you have been uh, ill-informed by happy-go-lucky pastors who, who have told you you're supposed to be happy all of the time and have everything you want and have everything you need and everything's supposed to go well for you all of the time. The prosperity lying gospel. That's not in the Bible nowhere. In the Old Testament or the New Testament. Cut this on down here, please. Cut that on down Nowhere. But preachers have preached that to get your money and to get your behinds in their uh, pews. All about the numbers. They'll say anything to get a crowd. They'll have uh, Bozo the Clown. They'll have uh, comedians to come in the church. There's no such thing as that. In the, in the, uh, can you imagine having comedians in the early church? Can you imagine uh, Paul coming after a comedian, or Peter coming after a comedian, or Isaiah uh, coming after coming after a joker? These pastors today, many of them will do anything to get people in the church, and 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 it's not important whether or not they're saved. We just want the numbers. 
Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, you will know what grace will teach you? Uh, grace is not going to teach you and let you and make you feel good about shacking up, whoremongering around and whoring around, and this is what some of you think. You're writing little books about grace that do not have anything to do with grace. Now, now let me help you. Let me just go ahead on and blow that idea out of the water. If grace is not teaching you to deny ungodliness, worldly lust, wickedness, and to live soberly like you got some sense. I forget the beautiful lady's name, uh, one of the singers, one of the rappers. She said today that she is sober and she's happy. She's sober and she's happy. She's meaning at something else, but it's good. That's good. And it'd be good for you too, if you were if you are a Christian, to be sober minded and not silly minded. Tossed to and fro by the devil and the demons of hell and family members and friends and foes. We were reading Dr. Spurgeon this morning in our devotional service. And he pointed out that every child of God is going to have enemies <coughs> inside the family, outside of the family. Enemies, trials, tribulations, troubles, enemies just waiting, waiting, watching you. They have nothing to live for. They, 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 they don't have any family. They run off their family. Uh, they divorce their wife and husband, and the children hate them, and so they, they want to try to tell your family. How many of you know instigators like that? How many of you know people in the church like that? They messed up their family. Just like the story of uh, King Solomon and the two women who had, uh, each one had a son. One mother messed up and killed her son by rolling on top of him. She really stole the other woman's child and wanted to mess up her life. There are people in the church like that. They have messed up their marriages, messed up their lives, messed up their families, and they want to mess yours up too. The devil is a lie. Teaching us that denying, this is what grace will teach you. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. Now watch this. <clears throat> that's a whole lot of holiness up in there, right there. I mean, that's a whole lot of holiness. Teaching us the grace of God 
that bringeth salvation. You say, you're saved? Hath appeared to all men. You, you're saved, right? Okay, then here's what grace, the grace of God that brought salvation will do for you. It will teach you to deny ungodliness. That is watching pornography, adultery, fornication, all uncleanness, all unrighteousness, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, being a lust hound, We should live soberly, meaning like you got some sense, you're not silly-minded, foolish-minded, easily taken to do evil. Righteously and godly in this present world. God wants you to do that, all of that, right here on earth. You see, you wonder why I have been preaching on this a lot? Because this is the problem in the church. This is not going on in the church today, in most cases. We have Christian people in name only. And some may not sin like others may sin, but they still living in sin. My wife's sin is pride, pharaohistic pride. A pride that will destroy you. Stubbornness, rebelliousness, not being submissive, not being in subjection to her husband, not doing what he tells her to do. In our case, what I tell her to do, and I have to keep on telling her over and over again and rebuking her and so forth and so on. So there's something wrong after doing that after 34 years. There's something wrong. What happens with a true born-again Christian, yes, I do know everybody grows at a different pace, but there ought to be a change somewhere. If you've uh, been saved that long going on 50 years, and you still are struggling with simple things like that, and I'm talking to a whole bunch of folks, not just my wife, there's something wrong. Because God in your lifetime, in this present world, will rebuke you and chastise you and deal with you and work on you if you are saved and you're a child of God. I believe the problem with many people in the church today, they have never been born again. They have never been saved. I cannot preach this series over again. I've, I've preached it at least twice over the past 20 years about how Jesus, he, he explained in detail how that you can be excited about religion and faith and lost and on your way to hell. I mean, when I say I preached it twice, I mean a whole series on it. I preach, I preach it many times. <clears throat> Paul 
upon me. And because we have a serious, serious problem in the church today. And God has spoken to my heart about it. We have people who uh, are just like I was. In the church, people would consider me religious, but lost and on my way to hell and didn't even know it. So when I stand before you, I'm not only preaching to the out and out lost. I'm, I'm preaching to the in and in lost. Preachers as well, bishops. You know what? Listen to me very carefully. You know why we have, God showed me that over 50% of the pastors were, were fake. He, he showed me that years ago before the plague. And I predicted and stated that if the church would lose, uh, uh, you know, if the church, if the pastors, uh, if over 50% of the pastors would resign, we would have revival in the church. And look at us now. That's what has happened and is happening. Some are still going through the motions, but they have already resigned. They've already quit. You know why? Because they have never been born again, the man, woman. Do you hear me? Now, now we have some sweet evangelicals up in the ivory towers and sweet Baptists and sweet Bible folks who are the intelligentsia of... Uh, Christianity. They're the Pharisees and the Sadducees in most cases. <laughs> and I still love them. But they, they're up in the ivory towers trying to justify this foolishness. Feeling sorry for these men. What, what, how, how can we help you to stay in the ministry? We, no, we don't need them in the ministry. Any preacher who is going to quit on God and on Jesus has never been saved and has never been called. We don't need to help them. Let them go. And don't let the church don't hit them, don't uh, uh, handle, hit them in the back. Let them go. <laughs> in that little, little girl saying, let it go, let it go, let them go. We don't need them. God does not need them. Because if you're saved by Jesus, and you're called by Jesus. You're called by God. You're going to preach, son, and you're going to stay in that. You're going to stay in the You're not even going to think about quitting. You may, you may feel like in your body quitting, but that 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 you're not going to do that. I mean, that's for past, not for me. I never felt that way. I never felt that way, and I never, I never tried to be called. I never wanted anybody know me. Knows that I never wanted to preach. That was the last thing on God's green earth that I wanted to do. He persisted. And I surrendered. See, we don't hear that word much today. Do we? I surrender all. Where's that song at? <laughs> we need to pour that out. We don't, we don't sing that much. 
Let's say that tomorrow morning here, I surrender all. You know why we don't say that? Because people don't surrender anything, much less all. <laughs> we used to say that all of the time. I surrender all. I surrendered in the shower at Keesler Air Force Base in the Locker House dorm. I, I surrendered to God and, and I said, okay, I'll preach because he, he just call, kept calling me and kept, uh, it was something. All true God-called preachers are going to preach. They're going to stay at their posts and do what God has called them to do. They're not going to quit and turn tail and run. They're going to be like Zelensky. But in his case, I, I think he needs to surrender, get on out of there, and save his family and go on. He, 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 you're not winning when thousands upon thousands of your people are being killed and slaughtered because you told them to throw a Molotov cocktails at the tanks. That's that's how how I'm thinking about it. If you want, I mean, get your people out of there and let them have it, and leave it, man. You 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 know your your people are suffering. Uh, I mean, there is an option. It's called the white flag option: surrender and try to work out something. That's free. That's that's not in. That's not a part of this message. And so, ladies and gentlemen, verse twelve teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope, or as we say, that blessed hope. I still don't know if that's correct, but I like it better. Just like I don't know if beloved is correct or beloved. I like beloved better. Anyway, looking for that blessed hope. What is the blessed hope? The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and he did, he's coming back. You can bank on that. You know, whether you see signs or not, Jesus is coming back. I have no doubt about that. And, and that's the blessed hope for you. You who are depressed, uh, sitting on your bed right now, depressed, woke up this morning, depressed, in a fog, and some of you are drinking too much and you need to stop. You're trying to drown your fears, you're trying to drown your anxiety, you're trying to drown your depression. And alcohol is not going to help you with that. Some of you are wrapping up your heads at night and covering up your head hoping that the oxygen level will go down and you wake up dead. You can't do that. That's suicide. That's a slow form of suicide. The devil is a lie. Some of you, some of you listen to me. Listen to me. The devil's got y'all doing some things you should not be doing. Some of you all are taking extra pills, playing Russian roulette, pun not intended, since Russia is in war with uh, Ukraine. 
you're taking extra pills you know you shouldn't, drinking alcohol with pills, and by the way, for the Christian, let me help you Christians out there with the, the drinking issue. The only thing that in the, in the Bible that God authorizes for you to drink is wine. There are many health benefits that come with wine. If uh, you drink it in moderation, you depressed people, I'm talking to you. Because you 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 killing yourself you killing yourself uh, in in multiple ways by over drinking uh, uh, drinking a bunch of alcohol trying to drown your fears and your anxieties and the darkness in your life. Wine is the only thing, and that in moderation. And some of you, some of my Baptist pastors, I love them all, black and white who many of them lie saying they're teetotalers and they're not and you you got you got you got your little th something something back in the back uh in the little refrigerator you're not to do that either don't don't lie about it you know it helps you and only one glass one glass will do the trick and if your wife is going to uh, uh, take a sip, only half a glass. That's it. That's it. If you're going to eat meat especially, it's, it's good for you. you. Some of you preachers dying of heart attacks, taking all this medication, and, the, and, and right on the package it, it says it's going to kill you. The doctors are writing articles about it now, how these uh, blood pressure medicines are going to kill you. That's fine in moderation. Only wine. You don't need no Patron or Patron. You don't need no uh, all these other hard liquor and, and, and Hennessy. You don't need any of that. That's not, that's not in the Bible. Hennessy not in the Bible. Huh? Red wine at that. Not all these little cocktails and all the little colorful cocktails. None of that. None of that. You shouldn't be drinking any of that. That's going to kill you dead. It's going to fry your brain and, you, and fry your liver and, and kill you dead. So let me help you with that. Those of you who are sad and depressed, defeated, uh, overdoing it. With the drinking, some of you now, some of you are smoking and smoking cigars because you saw somebody smoking a cigar and you about to choke and die uh, 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 with the coronavirus. Okay? Sad. Curled up in a fetal position. There's something wrong. Either, either you have been misinformed or you are not saved. There's something wrong somewhere. If you're so down in the dumps and sad and pitiful uh, and lonely, how can you be lonely? You got Jesus living on the inside of you. Jesus Christ has the power to get you through anything in life. Anything. Anything. 
and bring you through. You may feel weak sometime, but he'll give you the strength. You may have a bad marriage. Go ahead and admit it. Shame, tell the truth and shame the devil. And watch God and confess your sins and confess uh, your uh, spouse's sins. And, uh, and, 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 and you do your part and you keep your mind on Jesus and on the word of God. I'm a living witness that you can fully, 100% enjoy your married life and your family life. Uh, if you have Jesus Christ living in on, living on the inside of you and you're obeying the word of God yourself, whether your spouse is or not, you can do it, male and female. And yes, I would admit it's easier for me as a man because I'm in charge and it's going to go my way. I, and I want this for other men. And, and, and believe it or not, your wife will be happier too once you become a man. And you take control over the situation. That's what she's been looking for. That's what's in her heart. And don't let all her whining and crying and boo-hoo and uh, discombobulate you, man. you got to do what God has called you to do. And the main thing you had better do is not hawking to her. You better hawking to God. Amen, somebody. I know I'm right about it. See, that's, that's what's wrong right there. You are, we don't need for you to be all depressed and defeated and disgusted. Somebody, and let, let me tell you something about women. Deep down in the heart, they want somebody to be happy and to, to, to cheer them up. They should not always be put in a position to cheer you up and cheer the whole family up and everything. Uh, I hope to God you got a wife who's cheerful and joyful. There's, no, there's nothing more attractive than that in the world. A happy, cheerful, trooper wife. Yes, sir. A trooper who, you know, let's, let's get on with it. Okay, let's get on. Let's do what we need to do. Huh? That's, that's, the, that's the, I mean, that's the most beautiful kind of woman you want to, uh, you, you, you'll ever want to see. A one who's cheerful and joyful. Most women are not that, that way. They're down in the dumps. This is why you always will say, you always see a woman say, what kind of man you want? I want a man, and she'll smile and grin when she say, I want a man who makes me laugh, you know. The belly laughs. That's what I want. I just love it. That's what they say. That's, they want a man who will make them laugh. Well, you got to have some joy and some happiness and peace and some laughter in you. Do you laugh, sir? Christian, sir? <laughs> Do you have a laugh? Uh, do, you, do you have something that you enjoy? Have you've done your work for the Lord. You've done your work for the business. You've done your work for the job. You've done your work for the family. Do you have a little margin in your day where you got something, maybe you want to watch or something like Seinfeld or, or Frasier, which I think is the funniest show ever, over Seinfeld, that make you have a belly laugh? Buddy, you know, do you laugh at all during the day? Uh, my son Daniel the fourth. There was a time there he was growing up into a young man, and there was a time there I would make jokes, and and, and I'm a pretty funny, funny fella in the household. And my wife has never she doesn't have a a a, a, a funny bone in her body. 
Now she'll laugh at some other foolishness, but she uh, uh, she intentionally tries not to laugh at what I say. And I noticed that my son, my oldest son, was that way. And I I, I prayed for all of my children every day, but um, I don't think I prayed for that specifically. But somehow, someway, by the grace of God, he came out of that. He he began to get the jokes and laugh. So people can change. You can change. And you need, listen to me, man. The Bible says uh, that laughter is, is good like a medicine. You can feel the medicine if you get a good belly laugh. And, and there's nothing more, more beautiful than a woman who's cheerful and joyful and who doubles over in laughter. It's all, listen to me. It's almost like for them, it's almost like it's, it's not, not, not that, but it's almost like an orgasm. When you got a, a, a woman who's doubling over in laughter, man, that, she, that, that is, does her so much good. And I feel sorry for you people who can't laugh at nothing. One prude, a lady was sitting across from uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon, and he was laughing about something in the meeting. And she looked at him, you know, all disgusted. And, uh, Pastor, I don't think you ought to be laughing like that about stuff like that and saying stuff like that. And he looked at her and said, Woman, if you knew how much I held back, you'd be shocked. <laughs> you'd be shocked. And I'm like that with my family and the people that I'm around, man. It, uh, I have to, I have to, to, to reel myself in. Because I'm in for a good time. And, and I, I, I'm full of joy, not because I'm any better than anybody else. It's just the Lord Jesus Christ. Having him in my life, joy, peace, happiness, uh, and, uh, and you can be sober-minded and joyful and cheerful and of good cheer. And I, and I want to tell some of my Baptist preacher friends, bless your heart, number one, I'm not talking to ones who get in a sip on the, on, the, on, the, on the sly. And they send their wife to the store to pick up their wine and stuff like that. You, you're cheating. Just tell the truth. Don't be a hypocrite. Okay, and then want to condemn other people. Now, I understand how some of you are, especially my white brothers. I understand how some of you don't want that to get out because you don't want certain ones in the church to start drinking again or drinking because they, they, they for some reason, uh, the demon working through them won't let them just drink one drink. And by the way, if you can't just drink one glass of wine, men, half a glass of wine, women, don't touch it. If you don't know how to how to how to stop, don't touch it. If it causes you to somehow get violent, don't touch it. I, I don't know how all that works, but I do know people who they, they, they get a little wine, a little alcohol in them, they start acting stupid, and so forth. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to regular, normal people. 
who can drink a glass of wine and it relaxes them. It goes through their veins and cleanses out all of the oils and everything else and makes them feel better. Don't drink if you're depressed. Listen to me. I have a glass of wine because I am happy. It's a celebration. I am cheerful. Filled with good cheer. Filled with the joy of the Lord. It is a blessing to be able to do that after I have a good meal. Verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice he called him the great God who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. There you go again. He redeemed us from all iniquity. He saved us from all iniquity. Not for you to walk around with a bad attitude, to be mean as the devil, and enjoy your meanness. Do you know that there are people who are so wicked, they enjoy being mean. They put up that front of meanness as long as they can. Because they think they're hurting you. That's why they that's why they love it. They think that they're somehow getting back at you because you won't let them have their way or whatever the case. Who gave himself for us. Jesus suffered, bled, and died on the cross for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, all sin, all evil. And watch this. And purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. If you don't have people in your town thinking that you're peculiar, you're different, if you're not doing good works, if you're not out passing out gospel pamphlets, you're not trying to witness to somebody, you're not producing podcasts that witness to people and tell people about Jesus. Do something in the words of uh, Miles McPherson. Do something in the name of the Lord. Do something for the glory of God. Do something to help somebody else find their way. Pray for somebody. Do something, man. Give. If, you, uh, if you're an invalid and you sitting on a million dollars in the bank and you can't use it, give it to every ministry that you can trust and let them reach more people. I, and I want to tell you something now. I'm not a big fan of Franklin Graham, but I am a fan of Samaritan's Purse. God has blessed my family tremendously. Isn't it interesting? The Billy Graham family and the Billy Graham um, uh, organization, ministry. They invited me to Billy Graham's funeral. It was the honor of my life. Uh, but I don't think, uh, <laughs> I don't believe that, and I, and I, never gave, I never gave a dime to the Billy Graham organization in my life. I've never been to a, a Billy Graham crusade. I do know my dad. Uh, would watch Billy Graham every time he came on TV. 
And I believe my dad got saved through the preaching of Billy Graham. And uh, and I've never given a dime to the Billy Graham organization. God has blessed them. But I have, and our family has given uh, hundreds of dollars to the uh, Franklin Graham Samaritan's Purse. I don't know why God led me to do it like that. All I know is uh, they do a good job of helping people all around the world and give them the gospel. So I don't know why I'm not that fond of him. I, I just don't think that uh, he has represented his father well and, uh, and used his name well personally. Uh, but I, I still believe in the Samaritan's Purse. And, of course, he can't preach like his dad, and his son can. So, I'm looking forward to see the day. I'm looking forward to the day where his son rises on up. And I love Anne Graham Lotch. She's, she's a true prophetess. But anyway, uh, the, uh, the point is, ladies and gentlemen... That's a ministry that you can support. God's hand is on it. And we have been blessed by supporting that ministry. And so if you have some money, support that ministry. I can recommend that ministry to you. You can support the Billy Graham organization as well. They do great work. It's two separate organizations. And, 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 and bless the child that has his own. That's one of the things I do like about Franklin Graham. He did not piggyback on his father's ministry. It's still, it is still in existence. He is the head of it, but he doesn't enroll like that. That's good. He has his own ministry that he founded. And that's good. And so uh, do something, folks. That's, that's what, what I want to get across to you. Dr. Miles McPherson, he wrote a book titled Do Something. Do something. Huh? See, see, that's another reason why you're depressed and you're defeated and you're sad. You're not. You, you get up in the morning and you have no plans to do anything for God. You're just tossed to and fro by the devil and every wind of doctrine and every uh, little uh, sweet evangelical with a devotional book. You have no thoughts of your own, no ideas of your own, no routine. You have no intention on helping anybody hear about Jesus Christ so that they can get saved. No wonder you're depressed. No wonder you're sad, defeated. Always got to be pumped up. No, there's something wrong, people. There's something wrong. It's time for you to help somebody. Why is it you've been saved for 25 years, 30 years, 35 years, 40 years, and you always looking for somebody to lift you up? Why, why, why is it that you're not trying to lift somebody else up?
help somebody else. Do something. If you're saved, you have Jesus living on the inside of you. He wants you to tell others about him by any means necessary in every which way. So ladies and gentlemen, with that tonight, understanding that it is a fact that Jesus Christ suffered, bled, and died on the cross for your sins and for mine and for the sins of the whole world. In light of the fact that he suffered, bled, and died, was buried and rose on the third day early one Sunday morning before daybreak. And that he ascended back to heaven to the right hand of God, being the only begotten Son of God, And in light of the fact that that same Jesus is going to come back, do you know him as your Savior? If you don't, dear friend, first of all, accept the fact that you are a sinner. And that you have broken God's law. The Holy Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have done evil in God's sight. We all have failed. In fact, we all have done some stupid things, haven't we, in God's sight. We have sinned by lying. We have sinned by stealing. We have sinned by lusting. This passage talks about lust. We have sinned by committing ungodliness and unrighteousness. And, and unholy acts. We have sinned as human beings by dishonoring our parents, disobeying our parents. We have sinned against God by taking his holy name in vain. And that's just five of the Ten Commandments that we have broken. And so therefore we're all guilty. Red, yellow, black, and white, we're all guilty. No matter how beautiful you are, no matter how rich you are, no matter how much education you have, no matter what kind of car you drive or what kind of house you live in, we're all guilty. We have sinned against God. Secondly, accept the fact, dear friend, that there is a penalty for sin. The Bible states in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. 
we're going to die because of our sin that we've committed against God. We're not going to die of cancer. We're not going to die of cardiac arrest. We're not going to die of a car crash. We're going to die because of sin. Now you know. Death was a mystery to you before. Now you know why you die. You die because of your own sins that you committed against God. And God wants you to know that if he will allow you to die because of your sins, he will allow you to go to hell if you do not believe in his son, Jesus Christ, who has covered all of your sins and who paid your sin debt. The Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Hell is a very real place. That leads me to my third point, except the fact, dear friend, that you are on the road to hell. After you die, you will go to hell if you have never truly believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and repented of your sins. Those of you who are in church who can commit fornication, have sex with somebody outside of marriage, commit the abomination of homosexuality and uh, lesbianism, lie, cheat, steal from your own family members, be mean and hateful uh, from the time you get up to the time you go to bed. If you're in the church and you're doing that, you are probably not saved. You have never been born again. If you can do those sins and it does not bother you, if you can look at somebody in the face and tell them a lie without batting an eye, there's something wrong somewhere. You are probably not saved. You're not born again in the church. And you're going to die and go to hell from the church pews. Nobody's picking on you. I'm not picking on you. I was the same way for 19 years of my life. Lost in all my way to hell and didn't even know it. Nobody ever told me. It's all about religion and church and Easter egg hunts and all other such foolishness. Hell is a very real place because Jesus Christ says so. Jesus Christ never lied. He cannot lie because he is God. If he's the son of God, he's God. That's why the Jews killed him. Because they understood that. He said he was the son of God. And, 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 and they said, well, he's blaspheming because if he's the son of God, that means he's God among us. And he was and he is. Jesus Christ preached more on hell than any prophet in the Bible. Jesus Christ preached more on hell than all of the apostles. And he said in one sermon, Mark chapter 9, verses 43 through 48, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. If your hand leads you to sin, 
type up ungodly, wicked, unrighteous things on the computer, such as pornography. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed, cut your head off, and go to heaven with me, believe in me, and go to heaven with me, rather than go to hell, having two hands. Only Jesus can preach like this. To go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Switch in the back. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Hell is a terrible place. Jesus Christ, the man who never lied and can't lie, the Bible says, he cannot lie. There's some things that God and Jesus cannot do. One of them is lie. He's not making this up. You say, well, preacher, I really didn't come here. I, I'm, I'm going to go out to the club and jam, jam, boogie, boogie, and let the good time go. You go right ahead if that's what you want to do, but you better get saved first. Because the dance floor might open up and, and, and drop you straight on in the hell. Because you know better. And if thine eye offend thee, Pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is 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 not quenched. That means it's never quenched. Hell is not the grave. If hell is the grave, as the Jehovah's Witnesses say, please do not put me in a grave where there's fire. I'm concerned about that word fire. How do you translate that? So it is made very clear by Jesus Christ himself. If you die and you have never believed in him, you've never trusted in him, you're going to burn in hell. Now that's the bad news. Hell is the bad news. And notice that Jesus Christ, who loves everybody so much, he died for everybody, was buried, and rose from the dead for everybody. You cannot doubt his love. But notice that Jesus Christ preached the bad news. And he preached the good news. You're getting ready to hear the good news now, but see, uh, you can't appreciate the good news unless you understand the very bad news, which is, if you die without believing in Jesus Christ, be you uh, white, black, red, or yellow, or whoever, rich or poor, educated, uneducated, you will go to hell, according to Jesus Christ and the Word of God. So hell is bad news. But here's the good news. 
Jesus Christ said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that includes you. Are you in this world? Are you in this world? Well, then God loves you, no matter what you have done. Well, I feel so unworthy. We all should feel so unworthy. You're a great candidate to get saved, if you feel that way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, whosoever, the word whosoever is a powerful word. It means anybody at any time. Red, yellow, black, or white, we're all precious in God's sight. Do what? Believeth. The word believeth means to trust in, to have faith in, to depend on. That's all it means. Whosoever, red, yellow, black, or white, rich or poor, whosoever believeth in him, Jesus Christ, should not perish. Perish where? Perish in hell. But have everlasting life. Just believe in your heart. Just do what Jesus Christ told you to do. Just believe in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ that he suffered, he bled, and he died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose from the dead by the power of God for you so that you can live forever with him in heaven. And uh, believe it or not, God wants you to be there more than you want to be there. God wants you saved more than you want to get saved. That's how much God loves you. So pray and ask him to come into your heart. Call, in, call on his name. Believing in your heart in Jesus Christ and his gospel that he suffered. He bled and he died on the cross for your sins. He paid your sin debt. Pray and ask him to come into your heart today, and he will. For Romans 10, 9 and 13 says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou, you, shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is it, my dear friend. Jesus Christ did not say you had to be a member of a church to get saved. And by the way, it's a very dangerous thing to be a member of a church and not saved. Very dangerous. I believe many, many people have gone to hell from the church pews. Religion can't save you. Jesus did not ask you to join a religion. He told you to believe in him. He's already done it all. He paid it all. He said on the cross, it is finished. You don't have to do anything but believe in him. It is a free gift, the Bible says. It is a free gift. Just receive it. And one of the, one of the hardest things for us to do, for people to do, is receive a free gift. How many times you received help and you kept saying, listen, I'll pay you back, I'll pay you back, I'll pay you back. And they told you 15 times, I don't want you to pay me back. Don't try to pay me back. 
I did it out of the love of my heart. Well, that's what God did for you. He sent his son to suffer, to bleed, and to die on the cross out of the love and from the love uh, that's in his heart. And he was buried and rose on the third day. And Jesus Christ himself said to you, Believe in me, and I will save you from that awful place called hell. You will not perish. Just believe in me. You don't have to go and get baptized first. You don't have to sing in the choir. You don't have to shake the preacher's hand. You don't have to sit in a chair. You don't have to walk down an aisle in front of a thousand people. Uh, you don't have to raise your right hand. You don't have to give any money to the church. You don't have to uh, uh, have a position in the church. You don't even have to help old ladies across the street. All of those things are good, but they will not save your soul. Jesus is the one who suffered, bled, and died on the cross for your sins, was buried, and rose on the third day. Believe in him. Trust in him. Call upon his name and ask him to save you. Follow me in prayer. Repeat after me, phrase by phrase. And mean it from your heart. Holy Father God in heaven. I admit that I am a sinner. And that I have done evil in your sight. It is true Lord as you know I have lied before. I have stolen things before. Even from my own family. I have uh, lusted in my heart after people and things. I have uh, dishonored my parents and disrespected my parents. In your sight. And I have dishonored you by taking your holy name in vain. For Jesus Christ's sake, please have mercy and grace upon my soul. And please forgive me of all of my sins. As I now believe with all of my heart, the best way that I know how, I believe in you, Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that you suffered, you bled, and you died on the cross for my sins. Was buried and rose on the third day by the power of God. Lord Jesus Christ, please come into my heart and into my spirit and save my soul today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to change. Help me to repent of my sins and help me to turn from my evil, wicked life, my ungodly life, my unrighteous life. By the power of your Holy Spirit, 
Help me to follow you in the new life, Lord Jesus. Lord, make this real in my life. Help me not to be a hypocrite and end up dying and going to hell. In Jesus Christ's name I pray and for his sake, amen. Now, dear friend of mine, if you just believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, believing in your heart in none other than Jesus Christ, who suffered, bled, and died on the cross for your sins, I declare to you that based upon the Word of God, the Holy Bible, you are now saved from hell and you're on your way to heaven. Welcome to the family of God, dear friend. And congratulations on doing the most important thing in life. And that is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For more information to help you grow in your newfound faith in Christ Jesus, Please go to GospelLightSociety.com and read my book titled, What to Do After You Enter Through the Door. For Jesus Christ said in John 10:9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. Until next time, my beloved, God loves you. Jesus loves you. By God's grace, we love you. And may God bless you real good is my prayer. And until next time, uh, make sure that you're saved and understand that once you believe in Christ, God and Jesus expect you to obey them. So make sure you understand that and live the life that God wants you to live and do something for the glory of God, do something for Jesus Christ uh, write, if you don't have any pamphlets, write your own pamphlet and explain how you got saved. Print it out at one of the uh, UPS stores or FedEx stores. It won't, won't cost you much at all. And when you walk out of the store, go to the parking lot and pass out three gospel tracts. One for God, one for Jesus, and one for the Holy Ghost. God bless you, dear friends. Until next time, let's all stand for our closing prayer. Holy Father God in heaven, what a joy, what a privilege it is, Lord, uh, to uh, preach your holy gospel and preach your holy word and then to uh, have your children helping you in the ministry, not just for today, but for many years, and then having a baby son uh, who told me he didn't want to be a preacher when he was a child, and, uh, and I never tried to make him one, but he and his brother have helped me tremendously uh, in preparing sermons and preaching, uh, taking a load off of me, since uh, you called me to preach uh, every, nearly every day. And I thank you for this, Lord. It's just a blessing. And I pray that, Lord, uh, hundreds and thousands of people
who name the name of Christ would truly come to know your Savior and have your rich joy, your good cheer, your peace that passeth all understanding, your joy unspeakable, your holy serenity and tranquility of mind and heart even tonight. And Lord, if they're saved, help them to understand the importance of praying without ceasing. Help them to stop worrying and fretting and thinking that people are against them and all of this kind of thing. And uh, uh, which is in most cases is not the case because the people are not doing anything for you. So Lord, I pray that you will help them to get their mind on you. To be thankful for your grace past and to be grateful for the fact that you're coming back in the future. And to act like it. Between the two, there ought to be joy unspeakable peace that passes of all understanding and good cheer in their lives and they ought to be a winsome witness Lord for you so that others may come to know you as Savior lest the blood drip from our fingers in Jesus Christ's name I do pray and for his sake Amen God bless you my friends until next time Lord willing we'll be here tomorrow <laughs>